for me, home is a place, whether it's this address that I live at now or some other address, but home is a place that I can, with this exercise, looking at a lot of things, for me to have a home, a place, I can do service, I can be compassionate, I can do all kinds of things from my place. And I can go there to heal, I can go there to think, I can go there to gather myself in that place. Did you know that we have three very complicated, interconnected relationships that when one gets a little out of whack, it might affect the other relationships? Ooh, what are those? Your relationship with money, your relationship with people, and your relationship with self. Wow, sounds like there's a lot there. The intersection of those three relationships is what we call financial sobriety. Maybe we should introduce ourselves. What do you think? Oh, that's a good idea. Jim Gebhardt. And I'm Matthew Grishman. We are the co-creators of the podcast, Financial Sobriety. Well, and you're the author of the book, Financial Sobriety. Well. Which led to the podcast. Let's go. You ready? Yes. You think you nailed it already? I do. <laughs> Our job is done. I, I, I have a few questions, maybe. I, okay. But, Let's see what you got. Let's see what you did. So you, you while we were doing this with Jeff, you were kind of doing it yourself a little bit. Yes. Okay. Okay. Health, family, home, and security. So Jeff, I'm going to nominate, by the way, tell me if I'm wrong, health is true north for you. Jeff, mm -hmm. without health, you don't have any of this. Yes? Okay. There's T. Okay. So T's true north is health, family, home, security. What does that mean to you? What does health mean to you? Well-being, physically, mentally, spiritually. Do you have that in your life now? Yes. How important is, you, is it it's to you everything. to protect that's, it? That's, that's everything. That's the most important thing. I believe that makes everything else possible. What's that word family mean to you? Family uh, are the children that I birthed, my stepchildren, my husband, and all my people. All my people that I will love even if they go south. This is where your unconditional love bucket is? Yes. So it's, it's your closest it's, tribe? Yep, and it's, it's people. Okay. What's for, home all about? For me, home is a place, whether it's this address that I live at now or some other address but home is a place that I can, with this exercise, looking at a lot of things, for me to have a home, a place, I can do service, I can be compassionate, I can do all kinds of things from my place. And I can go there to heal, I can go there to think, I can go there to gather myself in that place, just to sit mm. and to be clear and figure things out. If I'm hurt, I'll like run to my home, wherever that is, mm. my spot on this planet. If there was a card in the deck that had the word sanctuary on it, would that trump home? Would that mean that more? Or does the word home still? The word home is fine. Sanctuary is a, a, a bit more sophisticated, and it seems a, I'm not very flowery overall, and I like home. I like mm. the word home. Simple. It's like I can hold you. You come home. Come here. Hold mm. my baby right there, and that's home. What's security mean? Security is... Relative to my life so far, it's probably a little bit financially oriented mm -hmm. that we've worked for. For me, things like spirituality, for me, security relates to my experience of life and not having 
been secure at times, mm-hmm. and now I have that, and it just makes life so much more simple. It makes me able to give to people, to help people, to to do things without worrying, angst. It removes a lot of things. So it is pretty focused on the money. The financial side. Financial side yeah. of things. But I have had the experience of not having that, and it's distracting. Like, I feel like I can be more me with the security that I have. Hmm. It's, it also is relationship-related, so that's key, too, and I haven't always had that. Hmm. So it's more than just money, but it's what occurs when you have the, the right relationship with money and people, mm-hmm. the people that, that are here. It's, mm-hmm. There's connection. If I had to get rid of one, I would get rid of that one because I feel like when you have the right people in your life and you have your health, you can create that. And you have home. And you have home. Mm-hmm. You can create that. Sure. But it's still keep them in the top four because yeah. that, that's a big life changer. I'm curious while we're while we're here, you know, talking about this very essential value to UT, what does financial security look like to you? And then Jeff, I'll be curious to hear what that looks like to you. What does financial security look like? At this moment, I'd say it to be able to sustain the lifestyle I have right now. How is that made possible? What makes that possible to sustain that lifestyle you have now? Paying attention to what I do with the money that's coming in right now and planning for keeping it adequate, the flow adequate when Mm. I'm not going to work anymore. So paying close attention to what we would refer to as the goes-ins versus the goes-outs. Yes. There's a degree of intentionality. Yes. Yeah. Of when it comes in, where it goes. Mm Mm-hmm. How much is going to be needed going forward, which I realize you can't know completely, but we could sustain the lifestyle we have right now. It's really more extravagant than we really need. Hmm. We could turn it down a little bit and still be fine. Hmm. Would that give you more financial security if that were to happen? No. Okay. So it's just a way for it you to kind of... It would be a way to be okay. <laughs> you know, if, if, it was, if it was required, it would be... You'd be okay. I wouldn't be distraught. I wouldn't be concerned. Why is that the case? Is that have anything to do with being very clear on what's important to you? Yeah, I, I don't know that it, what came first, being clear, or just the reality of fear. I think probably fear is what, what has resulted in us paying more attention. What about you, kiddo? What does financial security look like to you? How do you define that? It's a level of comfort in not knowing everything could be gone. But to this day, employed, not employed by a corporate paycheck versus an independent paycheck, that fear of on any given day, I could be on the street. It could all be gone. In which of those scenarios? Both. Both. Never goes away. Never goes away. So then what does financial security look like? Easing that concern. How do you do that? Through an understanding of what you've got. And like T was saying, you know, an intentionality with what you do and paying attention. There have been times when we didn't. And we all know for not only ourselves in the room, but many of the listeners, we've gotten out of whack. And it's frightening. Did you you see it coming or was it a surprise? (laughs) Which time? (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Have you experienced both? We see it coming, and holy crap, what just happened? Uh-huh. You've had both of those. Yeah. How have you prepared differently 
to avoid the surprise and the non-surprise possibility of that ever happening again? What's different about how you create that financial security now in your life? Intentionality. Mm. Intentionality on the goes outs and a keen awareness on the goes ins. Well, holy crap, brother. I think our work here is done. And that's a wrap. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Getting in touch, both of you getting in touch with these very essential principles and having that intentionality. You know, as, as I listen to you talk about corporate life, Jeff, and then, you know, entrepreneur Jeff, mm -hmm. I often think of the concept of security for a lot of people comes from their corporate existence. Mm -hmm. They feel a sense of security because they work for a corporation. I've never felt that way. It's a it's a very foreign feeling for me in that my sense of security comes from my two feet, my skills and abilities. And I know if it was all wiped away tomorrow in terms of my stuff, mm -hmm. right, my bank accounts, my possessions, that I could go down to the local Ace Hardware, buy myself a shovel, Yep. And start digging digging myself out of whatever hole it is because of my awareness and my skills and my abilities. And have you always had that or did you have to go do that to actually learn that you were capable of no, doing that? I've always, You've always had that. I've Well, I don't know if I've always had that. I've always felt that way. I've always mm -hmm. felt that my security comes from my ability mm -hmm. and my, my gifts and talents and tapping into those gifts and talents. And... Jeff, if you had nothing tomorrow in the way of financial assets and you were dropped in the middle of Ohio. Figure it out. You will figure it out. Figure it out. So will Teresa. Correct. So will, mm -hmm. so will everybody that's mm -hmm. listening to this. It's just sometimes. Especially since she's from the state next to it. She's from Michigan. Gotcha. Ah. So you'd gotcha. Be I'm two states away. I'm from Illinois. Illinois. Right. But to your point, too, I want to add that corporate security that people get and then they're devastated and shocked when it's all gone. I mean, it sucked when it was gone, but it was never that I was always aware that tomorrow it could be over. It could end tomorrow because mm -hmm. you don't know. You don't know. You know, and, and for all those who are thinking they really like me, if it's a corporation, they don't really like you. You're a piece of the puzzle. And if it changes, you're out. You know, that's the cold, hard fact of reality period. And we've got kids that are in that situation right now in that space who literally aren't playing the game because they've seen what's happened to so many other people, mm -hmm. including, you know, the discussions with them from their parents. Right. And it's like, I get it. If I see that coming, I'm out of here. How I control it. How many of those kids do you think today are making that decision as a fear-based decision versus confidence in their own abilities? I think a lot less are making it as a fear-based decision to work for a corporation or a big company. And many are entrepreneurial and doing their own thing, saying, screw that. I'm never doing that. I'm trusting myself. I saw a mom or dad or grandpa or everybody, whomever it was, go through that. And it was, to it was just horrible when they got fired. See, that's where I think the unique experience for you was. And that's why I asked you that question. When you were 12 years old, your dad came home from work and with a lot of anger and a few explicatives, I quit my effing job. Yeah. And you were sitting there at the table. Whoa. Uh, whoa. What does that mean? Right. What is that? I don't know what that means. And then you went on to see him become a fabulously successful business owner. And I'm, I'm not talking in terms of how much money he made. Yeah. 
but just how much self-confidence he had and the fact that probably one of the most important things you've ever told me is how to say no to the wrong piece of business, no matter how much money it's worth. Yes. I mean, oh, there's so much I've learned from that through you vicariously that yeah. I wonder if that was the trigger event that allowed you to develop that confidence from a very young age. I don't know. Maybe we should go on a retreat or do a show on that. That's a good idea. We'll put that one on the back burner. And you're not alone in that. I saw my dad at the same situation at the top of the stairs. I'll never forget it. Having a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. Because that job was gone. Sheet metal worker, truck driver, union teamster. Sorry, we don't need that job anymore. We don't have that project anymore. And he didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do. Right. I had no idea what right. to do. Uh, my, my brother was 50. Uh, he, he was the age I am today. He was 52 years old working for a large semiconductor company. He was the only guy in the plant that knew how to maintain and repair the equipment. $10 million worth of equipment in this fact factory. And he walked in one day and they handed him a box. And I'm guessing it wasn't a box of equipment to fix. And he looked at his boss and he was like, Tom... You know as well as I do, I'm the only guy that knows how to do this stuff. He's like, yeah, it, it came from up above. There's, you know, nothing we can do. I'm terribly sorry. Uh, makes no sense. But I mean, all the all the you know standard, pat kind of answers to that, right? To your dad, right? Same thing to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that concept of security is as essential as it gets. But there are ways, as as you are, such a wonderful example of how to get through that forced transition where it's like, okay, you're no longer needed here. And I'm going to just make a guess that life experience allows people to move quicker through these things. Yes. Just starting out in your 20s and starting a family, this is probably really, really difficult. It's different. Mm -hmm. It's different because I've had experience with people in their 60s and even in their 70s where they really struggle to get to these four essential. essential concepts because they're still stuck living in what society has taught them they're supposed to cherish. That's where I find this to be sometimes challenging versus the people who find this a little easier and more intuitive the way you did today, Teresa, is I think you both have gotten to a place in your life where, you know what, I really don't care what being a good American looks like, right? Mm -hmm. We all remember George W. Bush standing on the aircraft carrier, what, a week after 9-11, telling us, you know, we're Americans, go out and spend your money. That's the American thing to do, right? And love them or hate them, that's kind of what the mainstream message is. And I'm guessing you've both thumbed your nose a little bit at conventional thinking and started marching to the beat of your own drum we're still quite spending. some time ago. Sure. We're spending adequately. But but you're spending <laughs> as, on what matters to you. As you're finding you. out sure. with your remodel. Yeah, but you're spending on what matters to you. Yes. You're not buying Rolex watches. You're not, well, maybe. maybe. That doesn't uh, look like a Rolex. Been, been there, done that, though. Right. As but you're it, not doing that now. To your point, yes. Yeah. It, and that's why I say that life experience, you go through that, and you acquire, and you accumulate, and you debt, and then you realize, hopefully, in, in our case, that was the awakening. Yeah. And... We all have friends who maybe aren't in that space. They're still acquiring and accumulating and sure. debting. They believe more is more. Correct. And for people who intuitively move through this process quicker, they've come to a point in life where they've recognized that the paradox, less is more. 
You said it, Teresa. Simple, right? This creates a simplicity in your life that's just, ah, right? Mm-hmm. You ready for what's next? Because now the big question is. There's more. There, oh, but wait, there's a lot more. We're not going to get through it here today, but this is going to be your homework assignment, which you guys get to go home and do together. And then we're going to come back next time and debrief or hot wash, as we like to say. Yeah. And see what what happened from this. So this whole exercise is called the Clarity Compass. So we'll just kind of put a little visual up. This is the little worksheet that we have our little compass. And you're each going to get a copy. And you're going to write down your four principles here. The only one that really matters as far as directional goes is your true north. And for both of you, that's health. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that changes as you think through this a little bit more. So we jot down our four principles here. We're in the process of working on a portable version of this so that it's carryable wherever we go, whether that's a card in the wallet. The old laminated card in the wallet. The old laminated card in the wallet or the old digital card in the digital wallet. Cool. This needs to become portable and it needs to come with you so that when you are faced with that financial decision and you're not sitting at home next to your financial sobriety folder, you've got that tool with you after you've applied the 10-10-10 principle Right? 10 minutes, I got to walk away from this. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be cool to be able to pull your clarity compass up on your smartphone and just check in? Now that I've created a little bit of space and emotion has left the room, does this serve one of my four core principles? And will it be meaningful 10 years from now? The second page, this is where it gets fun. These are tiny little boxes for a reason. Now, T, you mentioned that these are showing up in your life today. What we do here is we list each one of our values on this form, and then we define what does this look like in my life. Now, journal this. Take out a a, a notebook and write as much as you need to about what each one of these core values and principles looks like in your life. She's excited. And then get the essence. She loves journaling. Beautiful. Writes everything down. And then just like Jeff is as brilliant with the hook line to our show, right? We we the the show always opens with something. Jim says or something I say in the show that I don't even know is that profound, but yet your ears hear it. This is where you want to find the hook. This is your hook line of what this looks like in my life. Now, how do I get there? If I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not there as much as I want to be, how do I get there? And the key to getting there is one of my favorite things in the world to do. Take action today. What will I do today to honor this value and get this thing in motion? This is where we help people get unstuck. You know, we live under this illusion like we're some big boat anchored in the harbor. And this illusion tells us that we have to get the anchor all the way back in the boat for us to get in any kind of motion. But the reality is you only need to get it up off the bottom an inch. So what are we going to do today? Right? The example we use, we have a wonderful example here about financial security. For this person... What financial security looks like in their life is having an emergency savings account. This was a real client of ours when she came to see us. And this was her. This was a woman who had plenty of retirement money, like dollars with two commas in it, lots of zeros. But some reason she lacked financial security. Because so that was later money. Right. That was later money. It wasn't now money. She didn't have an emergency savings account. Well, how do we get there? Well, maybe if I save 10% of my take-home pay right off the top, we could build that up pretty quickly. Fabulous. Gail, what are you going to do today to get started? Well, I'll go online and I'll open up a savings account called my rainy day fund. It's just taking that first step. 
But see, something we've also learned in studio is this is financial sobriety an I game? Was I able to get myself unstuck by myself? It's a we game. Yeah, it was all my best thinking that got me in trouble until I went down and spent time with this guy and realized that this is really a we game. So who's going to help me stay accountable to this? Who's my accountability partner with each one of these values? And in many cases, it's going to be the two of you. In some cases, it might be your financial advisor. It might be one of the children. In, it might be a coworker. In the case of the client that helped us with that exercise, it was hiring a trainer because of her health. She'd mm -hmm. had a stroke and needed to regain strength. And that was not something her family members could help with or friends could help with. She needed a professional to be able to do that. Yep. So you get to each take a copy, and I'll just show this is what our little action plan looks like. And boy, I can't wait to see how these values come to life. Because this is what ultimately helps us start seeing how financially we can now go back and look and review, hey, are our finances in alignment with these things? And if they're not, what do we need to do to get them there? It's more data to help you, again, with the autopilot, continuing to improve and improve and improve on the process of being intentional with your finances. Whether you're going through a major transition in life and you feel stuck or like what I'm sensing with both of you, you're in a very good place in life, but you would like to refine it and tighten it up, as we would say, and be even more intentional and have a tool to be able to help make and filter some of those financial decisions. That's where this Clarity Compass exercise is so powerful. When you're stuck, maybe you've had the health crisis, maybe you've had a job loss, maybe you've, maybe you've lost a loved one that is you know, essential in your life, and you're stuck, and we've seen that hundreds and hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. This is a powerful exercise to help kind of get in motion. When you're already in motion and doing a lot of the great things that you're both doing, this just helps you be more efficient and even go a little bit faster in that focus. This allows us to slow down to go faster, right? We've talked about that before. Mm. Teresa, what do you think? How's this feel so far? It's amazing. It's inspiring. I didn't expect that. Hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's exciting. I, I know a bunch of my answers. So you're there already. I am. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's but it's good stuff. It's it's really a great tool to part with your partner to hear each other better too. I think because mm -hmm. it's like a different modality versus just a conversation. When you see this stuff and write things down, mm -hmm. I think that uh, bigger awareness. I think it, it helps to support the other person more. So physically, actually writing it down and getting mm -hmm. it out of when your I head. When I look at his stuff, I can be more supportive. Even if it's not scoffing at that extra bike ride this week or something like that, it's like you know, I know that's important to him. It's his, it's his north star. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I do, but I'm just using it as an, as an example. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And the other way around too, because mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes I complain about not being heard, but I feel like mm, I think I'm heard. And part of it is seeing it, and it's not just hearing me talk. Yeah, that's very powerful. Ace, what do you think? How you feeling right now? I couldn't read those because I don't have my glasses on. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what they say, but I have a pretty good understanding from you know our sessions, and certainly recall some of the stories that are in some of the episodes of the process. I'm looking forward to it because it'll put both of us in true alignment with our own perspectives, and it'll allow us the opportunity to discuss those pieces to say, okay, well, what about? Weren't we talking? About uh, really, really, you know, those sorts of conversations that I think are going to be valuable to becoming more intentional. Sure. With well, what we do. 
Yeah, and there, it, there's no accident why we're doing this now, mm-hmm. right? We're we're sitting here in studio, uh, early October, and although the two of you have some clarity here on what's super important to you, we are walking into the least financially sober season of the mm-hmm. year, and so there's a lot of intention as to why we're starting this conversation and. We've done this now three years in a row that we start having this conversation around October, even though Costco said the holiday season started in August. We're having this conversation and we're modeling the behavior of what we're trying to do in our families to be prepared for the onslaught of TV ads, social media ads, all of these temptations to rush out and buy stuff, creating this false illusion. Mindlessly. Mindless spending. Yeah. Right. And and Madison Avenue is brilliant at that. So as resilient as the two of you are, doing this exercise today just makes you even sharper going into this hunting season where Madison Avenue is hunting our wallets and trying to get us to open them up mindlessly to buy a bunch of stuff we don't need because some corporation needs needs to make an earnings report. So financial sobriety tribe, this is where we kick off the preparation that is required to go into one of the least financially sober times of the year. Yeah, you got to get in alignment. And particularly if you have a partner, you want to be on the same page because you, when you're not, it, there's a lot of friction, right? Yep. When you're on the same page, and I think back to my relationship with Beth and you know the majority of our 25 years, we've been on the same page with this stuff. There have been times when we differ and those are uncomfortable. And this exercise is one of the best things I can think of to help get you both at least if you're not in complete alignment, you're aware. You're aware of where the other other party in the relationship is coming from and what is essential to them. And it just helps you it helps you just combat all the stuff that's out there. Fabulous. Because the world's a little nutty. A little, little, little bit. A little nutty. A little bit. Okay, so next time we're in studio, we're going to get a little debrief on how the game planning was for the two of you. We're going to kick off our pre-holiday preparation. We're going to talk a lot more about the different tools here at Financial Sobriety to help us prepare for what's to come, where we're around our people, hopefully lots of places, our favorite experiences, and we want to be very mindful, especially given everything that's happening in our world today and all of the financial pressure between inflation, interest rates, volatile stock markets, all this stuff. How do we continue to be best prepared, financially sober, super intentional with our money, and just and grateful, grateful, having lots of joy in life, and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. So we got a lot more to do. And with that, that's a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety. I'm Matthew Grishman, and I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. 
To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.